0: Good afternoon, everybody. I'm not used to saying good afternoon. It's been a while since we met in the afternoon. Uh, now, if you don't know me, my name is Sergio Arguello, and my beautiful wife, Kristen, is in the front. Uh, we lead the Riverside Church, uh, and we've been married about 24 years almost 24 years now. Uh, it's been a while, uh, but it seems like yesterday because uh, my wife is so awesome. Bright to her, it seems like 50 years. Uh, But uh, not to me. It's it's a joy being with you. It's an honor being here with you. And uh, I know that Jake and Scott asked me to come on out uh, and preach to you guys so that you would appreciate them more. Uh, You know, they said, let's set the bar low here. And then they'll be like, yeah, we really love Jake and Scott. Uh, But I'm here for that. Now, I do want to say, I want to correct Aaron a little bit because he came up and he started saying, you know what, there's a lot of good foods and that we could be filled with when we're hungry. And he mentioned sushi. Uh, What else did you mention? Barbecue. All sorts of stuff. But, bro, you forgot the most important food of all is tacos. You got got a lot to learn, Aaron. We're going to help you. Uh, Now, uh, Scott did ask me to uh, fill you in on the Peace Walk. You guys know what the Peace Walk is? Uh, we have our third annual Peace Walk going on this year on May 19th, and it's going to be at North Park Elementary School. And I'll tell you a little bit about North Park in just a second. Uh, but last year we raised about $25,000 through the Peace Walk for special missions contribution. And many, many years ago, probably decades ago, we used to have something called the human race. Uh, if you've been a Christian that long, you probably remember that. And the ministry that I was a part of, uh, there was about 900 disciples in the region that we were a part of. Uh, we were able to raise $400,000 uh, from the Peace Walk alone. We raised over a million dollars for special missions contribution, uh, almost a 1,000 of us. And uh, we could do amazing things by asking for money outside of the church. You know, It's great to be able to get money from disciples, from our tax refunds, from racing funds, all other sorts of ways. But when we have a vehicle like the Peace Walk to be able to raise money through, let's take full advantage of it. And so I want to encourage you on May 19th to come on out to uh, San Bernardino and participate in that. You should be able to have all the all the handouts that were given. You have a, a script uh, to be able to read your friends and relatives, whoever you want to ask. Maybe your boss. Sometimes jobs offer matching funds. How many of your jobs offer matching funds for uh, for contributions? Okay, if they do, what you could do is you could donate. The money you're going to give for special missions to the Peace Walk. And say, well, you match my funds. Now you just doubled your special missions contribution. that makes sense? We can be creative in how we raise money for God. And there's people that are hungering to find ways to be able to donate their money uh, to good causes. So the Peace Walk, make sure you have all the, all, all the, um, you know, all the material for that. Get it from Scott or get it from uh, Jake. It's going to be a great, great time. If you need more materials, just ask them, and they'll be able to give that to you. We want to be able to blow out our special with that uh, to where in a couple of years, all of our missions money could come from the Peace Walk. I think that would be incredible. Uh, Now, uh, this past week, I do want to share a little bit about North Park Elementary. North Park Elementary School, last year on May 10th, uh, I'm sorry, April 10th, uh, there was a shooting that took the lives uh, of two two individuals, a teacher uh, and uh, and a little boy named Jonathan. The teacher's name was Karen Smith, and the boy's name was Jonathan. There was also another boy named Nolan uh, that was shot and he lived. Um, and we were able to, as a staff, come together uh, in the inland Empire region and plan a candlelight vigil uh, for the very next day. We have uh, we have one of the sisters who's a principal at one of the middle schools, and she was able to, contact some of the, you know, some of the important people in the school district, and we have been doing projects every year uh, for Martin Luther King Day uh, with the San Bernardino Unified School District. So when we offered up to have a candlelight vigil, they responded immediately. And I think God has opened up some great doors there to where we showed up and were able to put together... Uh, this candlelight vigil, not only in English, but also in Spanish. I was able to do the Spanish portion. Steve Lounsbury did the English portion. We had 2,500 people show up. And it it was an incredible time. It was on the news. People were, you know, people felt loved. People felt cared for. uh, But it gave them a chance to grieve. It gave them an opportunity to be able to fellowship with disciples as well. We had disciples there praying for them. Uh, We had people from other churches that came out and prayed for people. People are still hurting now from that. And this year, as they decided they wanted to have a one-year anniversary memorial service, uh, they, they called Rich Rusegger and myself, and they said, will you please help us plan this? And so we got together, and we were able to plan something strictly for the district and uh, for the families of the San Bernardino Unified. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the service was amazing. It was a great opportunity to be able to reach out uh, to the people that were there. And Karen's sons um, got up on the stage and one of her sons did uh, a song. He performed the song that he wrote for her. Just a very moving, heartbreaking song. I don't know if you got to watch it on the news, but they played it on the news. And, uh, you know, after the service, obviously he's he's still very shaken up, very hurt. We were able to have a great conversation. And, you know, after having a conversation, talking to him about God... And the hope that God has for him and his life, he said, I want, I want to be part of your church. Yeah. And so he's going to be coming out to church with us, which is, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, the chief of police, also from the San Bernardino Unified, said, I, I want to know what you guys are all about. Uh, can we have lunch together? And God is opening up some doors there to not just help uh, meet the needs of the people emotionally, but I think some... Doors are being opened to be able to meet the needs of the people spiritually. So we want to encourage you to please continue to pray uh, for the San Bernardino Unified School District, especially North Park Elementary. Uh, They're they're suffering a whole heck of a lot. Every day that they go in there, they remembered what happened a year ago. Not just the teachers, but also the students as well. Uh, Let's go ahead and start with the word of prayer, and then we'll go ahead and kick off with our sermon. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much uh, just for the love that you've shown us. I pray, Lord, that because of the love that you've shown us and and how much you care for us, uh, that that overflows into us caring for other people. Help us to care deeply, Lord, for the brothers and sisters in the Middle East. I know that terrible things are going on in Syria and in other Middle Eastern countries, uh, where people are just suffering. They want to get to know you, God. They, they don't have an explanation for stuff that happens in their life, for the, uh, for the suffering that they're going through. God, open up their eyes spiritually. I pray, Lord, that they reach out to you and that as disciples, we could really care enough about people that are far away to be able to sacrifice, to give uh, in a sacrificial way, to be able to raise funds in any way that we can uh, to help our future brothers and sisters. Uh, we, we pray, Lord, for uh, the people in San Bernardino that are, that are suffering as well, that are, that are grieving still after a year uh, with the loss of their teacher, uh, for, for some their mother, uh, for others their son, uh, for uh, the fear that the kids and the, and the teachers and the staff feel uh, going into school day in and day out, you know, if this could happen again. Uh, I know, Lord, that there's a lot of troubles uh, that we go through in our daily life. Help us to be able to cope with those in a godly way to rely on you, and that as we study out the scriptures today, Lord, that we're inspired to live by conviction and by grace. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm going to set my timer there. And uh, We were doing a series in Riverside and and Rancho together. We've been together for a little bit, and we're probably going to be together for at least the next six months or so. Uh, But we put together a series based on the book of 1 Corinthians, and we titled the series This Is Us like the TV show. And it's been an incredible opportunity to go through the book of 1 Corinthians. And I had the chance to be able to do the latter part of it, the last part of it. Uh, And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15 in just a second. Uh, But before uh, I preached this message about five or six weeks ago, um, I had had the honor to uh, go on a trip to Ensenada, Mexico, Tijuana, Mexico, um, and uh, Tecate, uh, Mexico, to put together a men's retreat uh, for the three churches that are there. And it was an awesome time. Uh, you could see all the men here. Uh, there was probably about 70 men all together. And when we went there, I was told, you know, it's going to be a little chilly. And, and Riverside had been about 85, 90 degrees. And I'm like, okay, I'll take, you know, I'll take a sweatshirt and I'll make sure I take a sleeping bag. And we got there, and at night, it was below freezing. And they said, yeah, you're going to be in a cabin, but they didn't really tell me the type of cabin it was going to be. It was made of slats of wood, and there was just air in between the slats. And, you know, the air would go through, and it it was freezing cold. Uh, I was wearing jeans. I wore sweats over my jeans. I kept my shoes on. Uh, I borrowed somebody's jacket, somebody's beanie, and uh, I put my hoodie over everything else. And I was still cold. My hands were f- frozen. Uh, this is me right there in the middle. On the left is Rick Garcia. Uh, Rick was teasing me. Rick is not a nice guy sometimes. He's a brother. I love him. I forgive him. Uh, but he said I look like the Expedia garden gnome from, uh, from The Amazing Race. He was calling me his little gnomie. I was not encouraged by that. I know you may think it's funny, but uh, I'm traumatized by it. So uh, one of the things I think that I learned from our time there, I was able to do a couple lessons for the brothers, uh, and, and in talking with them, one of the things that I got to learn about them was that their kids are struggling. You know, a lot of these guys have been Christians for a long time, and yet their kids are struggling. They're like, how do I get my kid to love God? How do I get my kid to be able to uh, get to a point where he seeks first the kingdom? And, you know, I have two, two boys that are in their teens. Actually, one of them just turned 20 a couple days ago. And then I have a 16-year-old, and we have a girl that's going to be 13 very, very soon. And so we're, we're, kind of, we're kind of in the battle with these guys. And they go through terrible stuff. If you have teams, you know how trying it is uh, to have kids that age. And I planned, since I was younger, that I was going to be the most awesome parent with my wife. I said, my kids are going to be great. They're going to obey. They're going to be an example to all. Did you ever tell yourself that? And then you realize about when they're two years old that you have no control. You can try and you, you could you could put some discipline down and some rules down. Uh, but I remember going to the store with our little Nicholas when he was two and uh, we're in line and there was a guy that was a little bit overweight and he said, Daddy, he's fat. <laughs> and you just don't know what to do. You know, I, I try to pretend he wasn't my child, Uh And as they grow, all sorts of things come at them. And one thing becomes clear, very, very quick, is that we're in a spiritual war. Not just them, but us as adults. We're around it all the time. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says in verse 10, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a battle for our souls. And we've got to be really, really aware that Satan is after us, that he's scheming against us, and that our battle and our enemy is not against flesh and blood. You are not the enemy to one another. You are not my enemy. I am not your enemy. But sometimes Satan wants to make it seem like that, doesn't he? He even wants to divide us in the fellowship. He wants to divide us even with people that we're reaching out to. And he uses people and situations against us. Uh, We get in situations where we're totally taken by surprise. And the title of today's message is Living by Conviction and Grace. But we get surprised oftentimes to where we don't respond by conviction and grace. We respond out of emotion. Uh, just recently, our, our 20-year-old, he's a pizza delivery guy for Pizza Hut, and he's making a delivery, and he, you know, he's, a, he's a loving guy, he's a happy guy, he's a joker, but he's a big boy. You know, he's about 5'9", 5'10", about 230 pounds, and very muscular athlete, and he's coming out uh, from delivering a pizza, and an adult, grown adult, 30-something years old, comes up to him and says, give me your money. And he thought, oh, this guy's joking, you know, ha-ha, funny. And he kept walking, and the guy came behind him and just sucker-punched him on the side of the face. And life does that to us sometimes, doesn't it? We get sucker-punched. We're like, whoa, what just happened? And our response to that could be conviction and grace, or it could be emotion. And let's just say his response was an emotional one. Uh, you know, the, the, the robber did not fare very well uh, against, against little Nicholas or little big Nicholas. Uh, and, and, you know, he called us and his parents, you know, we get worried. He said, Mom, Dad, somebody tried to rob me. And when you get that call, your heart just kind of sinks as a parent. Oh, my gosh, are you OK? Are you, are you in the hospital? What's going on? No, I got punched in the face and, and I'm good. I just got a little bruise. And that's about all he told us. And you know, little by little, the story started coming out because he didn't want to really scare us. Uh, but you know, he, he lost his temper and ended up beating the guy up and left the guy bleeding on the floor and went and called the police. And you know, the guy was gone by then. And I was like, son, but you know, you know how to wrestle. You know how to get people in a hold. And I said, maybe you could have held them or put them to sleep till the police came. You know, and held them in your arms. I said, why did you do that? He said, it just, you know, my emotions got the best of me. And, you know, in the family of God, and even for those that, you know, if you're visiting today or you you want to start getting close to God, you may be studying the Bible. We can face so many situations that kind of sucker punches that take us by surprise. And they draw us away from conviction. They draw us away from... Living a life based on grace. We see stuff on the news. We see stuff on Facebook, whether it's immigration issues or, or, or gun control issues, or uh, you know, issues related to homosexuality or transgender, premarital sex, sexting, marijuana. You know, all sorts of different things that are going on. We even get, you know, we can even get taken advantage of by Satan, sucker punched by him, and we get into uh, political arguments on Facebook. You guys ever do that? I know most of you don't. Probably none of you here do. Uh, But I do know some people that do. Uh, You know, just a lot of stuff goes on. We're we're exposed to this on a constant basis. And in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, the church is not much different. They're going through a lot of different trials. They're going through a lot of... uh, They're being exposed to a lot of worldly temptations... And it could cost, you know, it could have cost us Christians back then to feel like throwing the towel in or maybe giving in. And there was a teaching, uh, you know, Gnosticism that was very popular in the day. And we're going to look at that just a little bit after we read the scripture. But please read with me here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. You guys there? Actually, we're going to read 1 through 8 first. We're going to talk about having spiritual or scriptural conviction first. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as the first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to what? Scriptures. The scriptures. You see that? That's the second time he mentions it. And then he says, I want to remind you of this. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to who? Or to what? The scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more then 5,000 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Okay, Paul is trying to make a very important point through this. He says he wants to remind them of the gospel. He says it twice. And then he says it a couple other times that I want to remind you that this is what the scriptures say. This is not what I think. This is not my opinion. This is not how I feel about something. But this is what the scriptures say. And the biggest doctrinal enemies of the church during this time was Gnosticism. Now Gnosticism taught that Jesus did not actually race from the dead, but that he was a mere apparition or a ghost of sorts, a figment of the disciples' imaginations or perhaps those that thought they saw him because God could make, not take on human form since the flesh is evil. You know, they also believed. Uh, you know, so, some Gnostic believed that the more you sin, and this was to start to become a teaching in the church, the more you sin, the more grace you could receive, right? So let's sin... Because the flesh doesn't matter, it's worth nothing, so let's send some more that grace may abound. And then that was addressed in Romans chapter 6. But right here, five times he said he appeared. Five times Paul said that, driving the point home that Jesus did, in fact, raise from the dead. And, you know, one of the other issues for the church was that they were feeling discouraged by the worldliness around them, by the attacks of satan by the attacks of the world on them by the attacks of false teaching and it was really tough we get worn down as disciples of jesus we get worn down by the world you're at church only about three or four hours a week you're with disciples present here worshiping and then you're at work 40 to 60 hours a week You know, we're in the world far more than we are with disciples. And we're constantly being bombarded over and over again. And that's why Paul wanted to remind them. And he had no problem reminding them. And he also was preaching to unbelievers of the gospel, not according to his thoughts or his opinion, but according to the scripture. He brought them back to God's plan of salvation and he preached the word to them. You know what disciples need over and over again? You know what I need is encouragement to keep fighting the good fight. Hey, you might get sucker punched. You might fall. You might trip up. You might even give in to temptation. But hey, get back up. I had a talk with Nick. I said, hey, don't give in to your feelings next time. You know, don't do that. You don't know if the guy has a gun. You don't know if the guy has a knife. Maybe the best thing is to run. You know, run away from sin. Run away from from temptation. And Paul loved the church deeply. He was willing to give up his life for them. I am for my son. I hope that we are for one another too. Amen. I hope that we have that conviction in the scriptures where we're able to lay it off on the line for one another. Paul called them to have deep convictions about the gospel, about God's plan of salvation. And Paul was refuting Gnosticism, worldliness, False doctrine, you know, emotions, sentimentality, and it was evident throughout his writings that Paul had convictions about the scriptures because he was a man inspired by God. He continually pointed them to the Word of God. You know, and I got to ask myself, how am I doing in that? Because I could enter a talk or a counseling session. And I could feel like, man, I've been a disciple 24 years now. I have a lot of experience. I have a lot of knowledge. And sometimes the Bible may not be open. That's not good. We've got to be able to open up the scriptures with one another and share the Bible with us. You may have heard that scripture 25 times, but it's okay to remind each other like Paul did over and over and over again. Because as human beings, we can be led astray by our emotions. We could be led astray, get this, by our intellect. Some of us could think, I'm so smart now, I'm so developed, my brain is huge. That I don't really need that other stuff. You know, we could get sentimental with one another. Right? Bro, you got to understand, this is what's going on in my life. And you're like, yeah, you know what, you're right. No, here's what the Bible says about that. You know, don't give up meeting together. You know, I know brothers and sisters, and I, and I felt this at time where I feel like I'm so tired and I'm so worn out that uh, I don't know if I should go to midweek tonight. The Bible says don't give up meeting together. Encourage one another daily. you got to be there. Be present for each other. Deny yourself. What, what happened to those scriptures? we got to remember to use those with each other. Not in a condemning way, but in an inspirational way. You can do it. When I'm down and out and beat up and sucker punched by Satan, I need somebody to get, you know, all up in me and say, Sergio, you can do it. Right? Like the movie. You can do it. You can do it. You know, Paul was zealous for the gospel and he preached a radical message to the church and to the lost and it wasn't popular. People didn't like it. It could even seem judgmental at times. But Paul was unaffected by what others thought of him. You know, he was a man that was on fire for God. Galatians 1, verses 1 through 10. Let's read that scripture there. Let's not be people that are accepting of sin in others' lives. Let's not be people that are accepting of a gospel that's different from what we see in the scriptures. It says in uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and to all the brothers and sisters with me, to all the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to uh, to whom be the glory forever and ever. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the ones we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody's preaching to you another gospel... Other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings, or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You know, Paul has some deep convictions on this thing, on, on on the gospel and on the validity of the scriptures, and he says, "Hey, even if an angel were preaching to you something different, don't accept it. Let them be condemned." You know, one of the things that I'm seeing, even as as we lead the Riverside group, is some disciples that have gotten weak in their convictions and they've started to stray, buying into false doctrine outside of the church. Praying Jesus into your heart is okay. You know, accepting this type of stuff is okay. You know, we we see you know, we see stuff on T V and those guys seem so happy and so genuine. and it's so easy to get sentimental when we see people that are good, right? And, and good-hearted, though they may have been led astray by somebody. And we want to accept that at times, but we've got to hold true, we've got to hold fast to the Scriptures. And I know that that is a very, uh, very basic uh, type uh, message. This is a very basic type Scripture, but we need to be reminded of this. Over and over again. So that we don't get led astray. Because this was creeping into the church. And it weakened the church. And as disciples, we got to be able to stand strong and have strong convictions. And encourage brothers and sisters that may be struggling with lack of scriptural convictions. And point them right back to it. Open up the scriptures with them. Open up a paper Bible with them. We've got to be well versed in our Bible. We've got to be well versed in terms of God's plan of salvation... From the scriptures. You know, there's people that are wanting to draw near to God. Could we help them become disciples? If you had the most open person in front of you, do you think you could help them be saved? And we got to train ourselves in the scriptures to be able to do that because we are disciples of Christ. And we've got to have an urgency to preach God's word we gotta be, we got to have the urgency to preach the gospel as Paul did. We've got to have a deep seal. And if we don't have it right now, we've got to start doing so. Amen? Amen. We've got to be willing to lose friends, to be ridiculed, to be considered judgmental by other people. We've got to stop worrying what other people think about us and be more concerned with what God thinks about us. Amen. If we're going to have our names written in the book of life, we've got to worry about living it right, right here on earth. You know, for some of us this morning, gaining biblical conviction may mean that you need to get urgent about getting right with God. Maybe you're waiting on studying the Bible or getting baptized. I tell you what, get urgent about it. I do want to show you a video right now about somebody that has deep conviction about helping people become Christians. Let's show that.
1: I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. How come you have not been baptized? Because I never got around to it, okay? I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. But tonight... We are going up against Satan's kingdom, and I just thought it would be a good idea if you. Felicidades. <laughs> <finish it out.
0: laughs> now, that's a little simplistic. By the way, that's not how you become a Christian. I just want you to know that I know that. Just want to communicate that, but. We've got to have that type of zeal where we preach to people that are our friends and even willing to risk the relationship. Yeah. You know, Esqueleto, he was feeling a little judged by Nacho. <laughs> Why do you judge me? Because I believe in science and stuff. <laughs> you know, he hadn't got around to thinking about his relationship with God. Well, Nacho was putting a little pressure on him. We've got to have some conviction scripturally. And know that our days are numbered here on earth. We've got to be willing to have conviction about preaching the truth to the lost world. We've got to have conviction about preaching the truth to one another. I have a little self-assessment for you here to finish off this point. From today on, are you willing to hold firmly to the word? Will you let the Bible decide what you do? as opposed to your feelings or what others think of you? Amen. And lastly, do I have a clear understanding of how the Scriptures call me to live and God's plan of salvation? Read the Bible daily and obey it. You know, if you've, if you've lost or haven't... Well, I can't read that. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little blind. Okay, if you've lost or haven't had deep, deep biblical conviction... Decide to change today. Decide to help others in the church that have pulled back in their level of conviction. You know, it could be uncomfortable when we know somebody that's lost conviction and sometimes we even avoid those conversations because we know they're going to be challenging. Have those conversations. People need you. Decide to teach the Bible to someone. Preach the word. Amen. Amen. That's living by conviction. Point number two. Grace is our why. Why do we do what we do? Why are we who we are? Why are we different than the world? That's a question that demands an explanation, that demands an answer. And in 1 Corinthians fifteen nine through 11 Paul really describes that beautifully. Read that with me. 1 Corinthians fifteen nine 9-11. It says, For I am the least of the apostles... Now, what I learned from Paul through the scripture, I read it over and over again. And I was really trying to get in touch with what Paul uh, was feeling and how he was communicating. And honestly, what I see from Paul is that he was very in touch with his sinful past. He remembered always who he was without Jesus. That he was a sinful man. He says he is the least of the apostles in here. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, I am less than the least of God's people. In 1 Timothy 1, 15, he says, I am the worst of sinners. Now, he was not an adulterer or a drunk or any of the things that we commonly hear today in so many different testimonies, perhaps including our own. Paul was a driven man. He was a man that seemingly loved God with all of his heart, and he was zealous for him. He was out there killing Christians because he thought they were offensive to God. He was intelligent. He was trained. He was respected. He was competent. However, he was able to see past all that stuff, what some of us may refer to as his awesomeness. He was able to see past all of that. He was able to see past Qualities that he even thought, okay, these are some good qualities. And he said he considered those things rubbish, garbage, basura in Espanol, that he may gain Christ. He understood and grasped his sinfulness almost fully. He was responsible. Think of what he felt about the murders of Christians. And persecution of the church. He carried that all the days of his life. He carried that to his death. He did not minimize or glorify his sin in any way. But what did it produce in him? It produced a deep humility in Paul. Because of the grace that was poured out for him. You know, it produced in him... A deep gratitude for what God had done in his life. It produced in him fruitful labor that led him to work harder than anybody else. It gave him an understanding and it gave him a drive that no other person had. If we could tap into that, brothers and sisters, we could change the Inland Empire. You could change the desert. We could change this world God, I want us to watch a video that illustrates this point very, very clearly. Let's go to that.
1: How do I know? A lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The, the question that you really should ask is, how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like for instance, um, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy, I can write books, I can be in a movie, because all of it is motivated by my why. In fact, I have a uh, a new web series out called Michael Jr. Break Time. Uh, we probably just did the sixth episode. It's on YouTube. So every single Wednesday at 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break Time. What it is, is it's me. I travel around the country, and I do stand-up comedy, in case you not know. And in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So we're in Winston-Salem. I'm going to show you a clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience, and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Zinia's Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director? Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of, like, uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That That's us I You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Uh, now, what you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid, I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick if you know which version I'm talking about. Just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing, grace, How sweet the sky. Here's what I want you to catch. The first time I asked him the thing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose.
0: Amen. You know, I was so inspired by that video the first time I watched it about a year ago. I've watched that video probably about 20 times. And it inspires me. It helps me. And as I read this scripture, and I, and I see what Paul is saying, it really makes sense to me. It really resonates with me. And I go back and think about my life and what God has done for me and the grace that He's poured out on me. That grace has got to become my Why? Of why I do everything I do. If I I go to church early to set up some chairs, that I set up the chairs in the best way I could set them up. With the zeal in my heart that inspires others. It's not just setting up chairs, but I'm cranking on the chairs for the Lord. You know, that I'm not here just pulling in right as service starts. But I'm here early to be able to give so that I can express The love that I have for God because of what He's done for me. As I share my faith with people that are lost and know nothing about God. That I don't just hand them a church invite. That I don't just tell them a little bit about my life. But as I share powerfully with them how much God has done for me. So that they're blown away and that they have hope in their life that God could change them too. You see, our testimony needs to be this glorious song. Because of the grace that motivates us to preach, to teach, to do for God. How is grace being displayed in your life now? How has grace been displayed in your life over the many years that you've been in a relationship with God? If you're just starting a walk with God now, how is God displaying the grace in in your life now? Can I say that that grace of God is fueling me? Is it fueling you to labor for God's kingdom? Not out of duty. You know, I I could be dutiful. I could do things because I know I need to do them. And hey, this is what I do. This is who I am. But that guy that you saw singing, initially he sang the song and it was good. It was cool. It was awesome. But when he did it, really understanding his why, it was blow away. It was impressive. It had an impact on every single person in that audience. It blew them away. Yeah. Let God's grace be our why as a church, and we can change this world for God. I know that we are living in times, as the church in First Corinthians was going through, very challenging ones, where there's a lot of false doctrine, where Satan you know, and, 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 his, uh, and his schemes abound. We're being attacked day after day. We could respond emotionally. We could respond out of anger. We could respond out of frustration. We could respond out of our feelings of sentimentality. God wants us to respond, as Paul calls the church to respond, out of scriptural conviction. That takes faith. And lastly, let's be workers. Let's be people that give to God And his kingdom. Our whole lives. Let's pour ourselves out. Let's be the hardest workers for the Lord. To advance his kingdom. Because we truly understand. That grace. Is our why. Let's live by conviction. And by grace. Thank you so much brothers and sisters.